Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Hi, thanks for talking with me today. Yeah, thank you. So I uh, watched the uh, quarry on Easter Sunday appropriately, and <laughs> I found the film's uh, exploration of identity and justice uh, really richly nuanced and thought-provoking. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into talking with you about some of the ideas and images that you are exploring here. But the kind of typical first question is to say, like, what drew you to this project? But because it's based on uh, the novel by Annual Gulgut, I wanted to phrase it this way if you're down for it. What inspired you and kind of drove you in this project creatively and intellectually? The opportunity to uh, ask a lot of thoughtful and provocative questions. I... Um, that's, that's ultimately what I'm looking for as a storyteller is to, is to ask questions and to explore questions that I don't know the answers to. Um, and in this film, that was questions like, who is worthy of forgiveness? Um, you know, are we, what we, are we our past? Are we what we've done in the past or are we something else? Can we be made new? What is, um, you know, th those are, so those are the big ideas, part of the big ideas that I was drawn to in this novel. Damon Galgut's book is, um, deals more primarily with the cycle of violence, man's propensity for violence, and um, the nature of man, even though it's in the same setting, it's the same idea, the same hook. You know, a guy uh, kills a traveling preacher, assumes his identity, goes to this town and becomes the preacher. Same setup there. His, his sort of, um, his questions and his explorations were of a different bent. I leaned more into the religious part of it because that was what's curious to me in my experience um, in the world I come from. And so that's what drew me. And I, I always want to ask questions. I want, to, I want to be someone who explores my relationship with religion and faith. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Georgia. When you grow up in the South, um, more, than, more than a lot of places, you know, religion is baked into your being. Yeah. And, and um, so as I became an adult, and began to sort of wrestle with my relationship with that, what it means to me. I'm, I'm still in the process of, and I hope to be in that process forever because that's to me, the nature of faith is to constantly explore and to be open. And, and um, you know, as they say, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's certainty. And I just, um, I don't want to be certain. I, I want to continue to, because if God is real, if there's a God then he's far bigger than, you know, we'll ever know certainly yeah and so um these questions are always interesting to me and always something that i'm i'm grappling with one thing that i liked about how you explore 
um, these questions is that you um, really got into the texture of how um, religion works. We see blood, we see soil. I love the moment where the um, Mexican immigrant um, woman in the congregation says she's sort of inspired um, by really this yeah. really yeah. Auth- this kind of poor preaching that our pastor with a past does. But she says, "I am dirt. I am below dirt." And that yeah. I what is it about um, the mix of both these you know incredibly abstract ideas um, and then this I this. The way that you mix in the um, material, the the parts yeah. of our our life that are just you know the animal aspects of it. What what gets you one interested the there? <clears throat> yeah, one of the beautiful um, attractions of this story to me um, was the the sort of duality of the imagery. Um, and that has to do with the duality of the imagery of, of violence and faith, blood, as you said, dirt, soil, you know, um, blood is beauty and blood is violent. The cross is beauty. The cross is violent. The, you know, the earth, uh, consumes us, buries us, um, yeah. feeds us, you know, and, and all these, the duality of these images are the, the layers um, and that's what I, I dig as a storyteller, as you know, film is a visual medium. And so when I was reading this novel for the first time, I was just struck by all the, the powerful images and imagery that he evoked in his story. And, and that's what drew me to want to tell it as a filmmaker. Um, because it, you have these ideas and these images that create that ask questions and that provoke questions and that have have layers to explore. You know, one thing is not just the thing is not just what it is. Same with the title, you know, and that's yeah. what I loved about it. But the title has layers. It's got, you know, there's just um, hopefully a lot going on, but so much of that is just the richness embedded in these images and um, as they relate to faith and violence and. Those, and where those ideas come together has always intrigued me. Yeah. Um, I, I love how you have the man, the pastor. Um, to me, you know, it took a while and I just realized he's all, he seems so squinty in the sun, like the light is sort of penetrating into his soul. Mm-hmm. And you have mm-hmm. a great line in the film, guilt is a heavy burden. Most men can't carry it alone. Would you mind just talking mm-hmm. about how you decided to um, explore this idea of, of uh, human guilt? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, I mean, a lot of the core ideas of the story are from the novel, and I must give credit to Damon Galgett, but I just, and I just pulled out and, and, um, sort of when you're adapting a work and I adapted it with my friend, Andrew Brosman, who wrote the script with me, when you're adapting a work, you know, you're constantly just trying to, to fish out like what, what, what compels you as a storyteller, the parts of it that are interesting to me and, and how, what's, what's my angle on this story. And, and that's just what I 
was drawn to. And again, it goes back to that, that lifelong fascination with those bigger questions, you know, and, um, you know, or, you know, can we be relieved of our guilt? Is it, you know, is, is that, um, uh, you know, asking those questions is just what propels me and provokes me. And, and, um, in this setup, yeah. you have this guy carrying so much baggage, so much weight around with him all the time. And we, and I, I think we've all felt that way, feel carrying this, this load, you know, and this burden. And, um, and so just wanting to, explore a guy dealing with that and what it does to a soul, what it does to, um, who you are. And that's a really interesting notion of him squinting into the light. I love that. I mean, I hadn't thought about that. And that's the beautiful thing about filmmaking is that that wasn't, that wasn't a direction I gave him. It may have been a choice Shay was making surely. And then he may have made that choice inside of him and didn't tell me. And that's great. I love letting actors do their thing. Yeah. But what I love about film is that it's, is that the best films are open to interpretation and you can pull something like that out of it because they're not didactic and they're not telling you exactly what you're supposed to be feeling at all the time. And that's certainly what I try to do with this film is to be um, a little more opaque, you know, and like not, you know, there's, there's lots of blurry lines, lots yeah. of gray. And um, that's what interests me as a storyteller and a story watcher too. Um. Yeah, this to me, I'd love to talk a little bit about how you um, have ch made the choices of projects to take on. Obviously, you're you're interested in um, kind of exploring what it means to be human in a variety of different ways. Um, would you mind just talking a little bit? You talked about growing up in Georgia. Was there a point in your life where you realized that you wanted to um, use your creativity to do film? Was it like a direct moment or did it kind of happen over time? Yeah, I mean, I, from pretty early on, as far back as I can remember, really, I, I've, I've wanted, I've been intrigued by movies. I, I was that kid who had a video recorder, camcorder all the time, and I made little movies. And when I was in middle school, I had a teacher uh, in the eighth grade named Miss Harrison who really um, encouraged me and, and allowed me to make movies, several little movies in her class, sort of in lieu of book reports. And uh, and that's where the bug was really um, seated, you know, and, and uh, where it took hold. And um, I just started doing it, and that's all I wanted to do. And But I realized in high school – as I began watching in high school, my, I began watching more independent films and started understanding that these were the kind of stories that I was intrigued by. I mean, I always liked Spielberg movies or whatever, but I was always more drawn to more personal drama stories. And, and, and then I began to realize that there were not a lot of authentic Southern films out there, you know, and, as I got into college and began studying film in college, um, I realized that if I was going to have to write those stories, if I was going to make those stories yeah. and, um, or find those stories to, to adapt. And, um, that just drew me. So it's always been, 
I think because we all want to see the place we come from represented authentically. Mm-hmm. And that drives me also to share. I haven't lived in the South in 20 years. And so now the drive is to share that those authentic experiences with my children and who are not from the South. And, uh, you know, my, my kids are from New York and LA and, and, um, and that's strange to me. It's still strange to me <laughs> many, many years into this process. It's still weird to me. And, um, so part of that drive is simply to, um, to stay connected myself, um, to those places. And so I can impart some of those experiences to my, my kids. The listeners to this podcast, um, are part of an organization and we just had a conference that focused on on identity and what you were just saying there about as a a storyteller wanting to um, portray your identity in an authentic way where you don't really see that happening. Would you mind just talking about, because the quarry is so much about identity uh, down to the final, I don't want to give anything away, of course, but um, sure. you have to, you know, there's uh, initials that match a name. There is quite, you know, quotes throughout the film about um, who someone is, what is their name? Where do, where do they come right. from? And it's not only about that. It's also mm-hmm. this tension between um, a kind of white, institutional power structure the the sheriff played incredibly by michael shannon and you have this immigrant mexican spanish-speaking community in the town and in the congregation itself so identity is through this you're thinking about identity what is it about identity that is so um uh kind of propel propulsive in in this work well, the, the irony is is that I think, <laughs> as much as I, and what I all what my my answer to your last question, which is how how important it is to me to explore and to remember my southern identity. At the same time, the other side of that is that my southern identity frustrates me mm. um, because I can be I can be labeled because of that. And I can be pigeonholed because of that. Well, you're a bigot or you're a Republican or you're all these things um, that I'm not, you know, and that I um, are because I'm a a Southerner who is a person of faith that puts me in a box in some people's minds. Sure. You're a conservative evangelical person, um, which is not how I would identify myself. And, um, and so that frustrates me too. And so um, I think it's that duality that again is it's part of the nature of the story that the all the different you know the the two sides to every coin, two sides to every image, two sides to to faith and doubt and violence and and who we are as people and our identity. And um, am I who I say I am, or am I what I do? Am I my actions? You know, am I defined by that? Is that my identity? Um, and, uh, you know, it's like I talk to my kids all the time. It's like, I don't care what you say. I care what you do, hmm. you know, when it comes to whether that's, whether that's <laughs> doing your chores or lying about whatever, you know, it's even it comes down to that, too. It, it's um, 
So I'm interested in, in all the aspects of, and again, it's, but mostly at the end of the day, all this comes down to just, I just want to ask questions. I want to explore ideas. And in a perfect world, I set up this little stew of questions and provocations and I throw it out there at you and you're provoked or, you know, you're stirred up and as a, as a viewer and you go and think about those questions. And if that happens, that's a huge victory for me as a storyteller. And that's all I'm really trying to do. That's great. Um, one final question, because um, we're in a sort of weird present where we have this pandemic around us. I'm really curious yeah. how you uh, relate to this thing. I mean, it's it's embodied in us uh, or folks who are infected by it. It's affecting people's relationship to space and um, their communities. I, this language of social distancing is um full of interesting um, meanings. And I'm just curious how it's affected your way of thinking about, you know, who you are and, and what you do um, and what this kind of means for humanity. Yeah. I mean, I certainly, when all your normal routines are taken away from you, um, that certainly helps you realize if some of those things are where you find your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I sort of, uh, I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to make fun, but I mean, I see these people who are meeting in churches in spite of social distancing orders. Yeah. And I, I have to, I, I just feel so sad because they think that that's the only place where is it, they, they can meet God or that you, it's just, it's that whole, <laughs> you have to be, when you're rocked and, you're, and when something, when, when circumstances take away your structure, um, it tells you a lot about, I think, where your value lies and your identity, like you're saying. And it's, um, so to me, it's been interesting because my routines have been knocked wildly out of, out of balance and um, creating new routines inside of this time has allowed my family and I, I think, to really understand what's really important and um, what we care, what we value. And in fact, when it comes to religion and faith and church, I think in this time of not having a church to go to, it's allowed us to actually have deeper, more meaningful conversations with our kids about what they think and what we think and what we all believe and what's the world, what's going on in the world than we would have when we go to a service and we all go our separate ways or sit there quietly and listen to someone talking. You know, I think too often church these days is a lot of talking at you and not a lot of engaging with you. Duff. And so um, this has allowed us a new way to approach the, the bigger questions in life, what's important. And because involved in those same big questions of God and faith, there are also politics and leadership and, and community and all the things that are part of our world, and those are important parts of our world, and um, we're able to engage those as a family in a new way, and that's been actually quite refreshing and and hopefully setting some precedents for how we move forward uh, beyond this. Well, thanks for that word of hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, th- uh, thanks so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your work and yeah. uh, your thoughtfulness in pursuing it. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. You bet. Bye-bye. 
sign who's Sister White. We will not fear. 